You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Hello there. Uh, before we get into the episode, uh, we just have a little. Uh, we just, okay, let's play a little ad, I guess. This is a little, but it's not <laughs> like for some product you don't want or something like that. I uh, it's a little bit of self promotion. Uh, uh, we've got an awesome thing to tell you about that Joe's been doing. A, a few awesome things, actually, that Joe's been doing. He's been working on some new art that's being released. Um, so uh, it's all Star Wars stuff. You guys are listening to this podcast because you are Star Wars fans and uh, you're a fan of Joe, I hope, uh, if you're listening to this. I don't know. I'm a fan of Joe. Oh, uh, sweetheart. I, and specifically, I'm a fan of Joe's incredible art. So. Uh, Joe, why don't you uh, why don't you tell everybody about all this new stuff that's being released and where cool. they can get it? Well, first of all, thank you for the kind words. I will get you that twenty dollars that I owe you for saying all <laughs> those nice things. Uh, I'll shoot you a PayPal right after this. Um, yeah. So this past Tuesday, uh, I had two new prints released with Acme Archives Ltd. and DarkInkArt.com. They are sister sites, uh, so my art is actually uh, on both of those. And uh, it's really cool because one of them was Clone Wars and one of them was The Mandalorian Season 2. So the first one uh, is called A Galaxy Divided. It is a limited color palette of blues and oranges depicting some of my favorite characters uh, during the Clone Wars. And it, it ranges from early Clone Wars where Obi-Wan is in his, his general armor with his the cool shoulder bells and, and the chest armor and all that stuff. Uh, we got Ventress on there, Dooku's on there. Uh, and then it ranges all the way back to uh, seasons. I shouldn't say ranges all the way back because it, it's very like early Clone Wars and late Clone Wars, really. Um, but we've got uh, Ahsoka's clone troopers on there. We've got uh, Ahsoka herself and her Siege of Mandalore outfit. We've got Maul. Uh, it was basically a love letter to Clone Wars, the series. Uh, and I'm very excited about it. The other one that released this week was uh, it's called Masterhood. And it's actually a scene that I've wanted to depict since I was about eight years old, uh, playing with my action figures, uh, probably 1998. So that's why closer to 12 years old. Um, but uh, the Dark Troopers versus Luke Skywalker. It was a scene that when it happened, I could not believe my eyes in the Mandalorian season two finale. Um, and it's something that I've wanted to depict on a print for a long time, uh, just trying to figure out the right way to do it. And, uh, now was the time apparently. So very excited that that is also released. And there is, uh, one more kind of, uh, really big announcement for me is that this week they announced, uh, all of the artists who are going to be appearing in the celebration Europe art show next April. I mean, next April, this April, uh, less than a month away. So if you are attending the show, uh, I did a uh, exclusive print to be sold only at the show. Uh, it's a Tales of the Jedi piece. It depicts uh, all six episodes. I tried to capture all six episodes and my favorite moments from the, the entire series. So it's a very Ahsoka Dooku centric print. So two Dooku's uh, this week for two Ahsoka's, I guess. But, you know, they're they're on both, which is pretty Pretty crazy because I normally don't draw a lot of Dooku and now suddenly he's on two of my uh, prints released the same week. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so the pre-orders for those last uh, from the 10th, which is this Friday at, I believe, noon Pacific time to uh, March 20th. Uh, also, 
noon Pacific time. So it's about 10 days. And something you want to keep in mind, uh, I'm not trying to pressure you or, or uh, <laughs> rush anyone, but what's happening this time is because of uh, the international differences, uh, there are going to be some international taxes if you're buying any of the prints at the art show in London. So if you see any of the prints, not just mine, if you see any of the prints from the art show and uh, you just you got to have them and you want to guarantee yourself one, the best way to do it is to pre-order in that window. And it's going to be at a cheaper price. So my print is going to be $40. It's a standard European size A3 for the to make the Europeans happy. Um, but very easy to find a frame here. I've imported A3 size frames many times. Um, but yeah, it's and then it's going to be my print is going to be 40 pounds at the show. So it is going to go out. That's going to translate to just shy of $50 USD here. Um, so, yeah, if you are interested in the Tales of the Jedi piece, you're going to be attending London. Please stop by the show. Even if you're not going to pick up the print, stop by. Uh, let me know that you enjoy listening to me, Mike, Kyle, in the instances when we talk Bad Batch. Just, you know, just come chill out, say hi. And uh, if you mention the show here, this show, I will make sure you have a freebie. You will not walk away empty handed with something cool. So please awesome. do that. Uh, and I'll I'll just I'll just give everybody the heads up because because Joe isn't gonna he's not gonna uh, brag but uh, but listen listen he's gonna sell out of these prints okay <laughs> they're gonna go I uh, and I uh, so if you want one the best way to make sure that you get one is to is to pre-order it ahead of time and you have that added incentive of getting it for cheaper so this is it's it, this is an ad in the sense that like Joe's got some stuff to sell but it's also just like a it's more of like a PSA of like hey heads up heads up Joe did some cool stuff <laughs> it's available now and if you are going to be at Celebration Europe and you want to take advantage of the cheaper price and make sure that you get your print um, that's the best way to do it. So, uh, so yeah, definitely do that. Uh, and, uh, and support as many of these awesome star Wars artists as you can. There's some really great stuff in the show this year. Um, it's a, it, it I, I think it's a, I think it's a pretty killer showing. Um, and that's saying a lot because star Wars celebration art show is usually a lot of really, really cool stuff. But I looked at this year and it's like, there's a lot of Ahsoka though. There's a lot of Ahsoka yes. this year, yes. but that's, I mean, like they picked the, they, they approved the Ahsoka pieces for a reason. Correct. This is Ahsoka's year guys. I, I, but I, yeah, I yeah. just got to shout out uh, three of my artist friends who I think totally. have the three best pieces in the show. Uh, Chrissy Chung, uh, she's the headline artist uh, for the art show. You know, she's everybody's using her print as like the article thumbnail. It's she did this amazing uh, Rosario Dawson Ahsoka coming out of the world between worlds. I, I man, I've seen her print. She's got foil on it. It looks amazing. It's so so awesome. so cool. So if you're an Ahsoka fan, check that one out. Uh, Adam Schickling did maybe my favorite print of his that I've that he's ever done. And I, he's done amazing work, but this year he did this awesome Bo-Katan tribute. And after this episode that we're going to talk about, that print is going to sell out because, oh man, did he predict, predict some cool elements to mm -hmm. incorporate in this. He's got the dark saber on there. He's got, uh, the, uh, night of a thousand tears for man, uh, when Mandalore was destroyed, which was from book of Boba Fett. But somehow he's like, I'm going to include this on the Bo-Katan print. Cause I feel like it's important. And then, you know, 
what happens happens and um so yeah that that print is incredible it's like i said it's probably my favorite one from him and the other one i need to shout out is uh christie's print who uh depicted ahsoka and rex and he's been working on this piece no joke for about three years trying to figure out how to make it right he wasn't sure if he was going to make it a celebration piece or if he was going to pitch it to Acme or what, but he's been working on it for so long. And he just depicts the friendship and the relationship between Ahsoka and Rex. And this print also is going to have a really cool, shiny, glassy, weird effect that he managed to put on it. It looks so good. I haven't seen it in person, He, but he took video of it. And so did Chrissy on their, their two prints. They look so cool. You, you gotta have them. And all all three of theirs, including mine, are in that same A3 format. So we're kind of a little set together. It worked out pretty cool. <laughs> uh, and I Perfect. guess one, one more little cool thing to plug is that uh, we're part of a little group uh, that we like to call Kanji Collab. It's, it's not Kanji Club. It's Kanji Collab for <laughs> legal reasons. Um, <laughs> but... What a bunch of us did, so there's quite a few of us artists in in that group, but uh, all of us, not just the artists who are in the show, but anyone who is in Kanji Collab, we all put together a little mini series of postcards that are not for sale. You just come up and you can just take them, and there's nine of them, and they're awesome, and it's the whole, there's a whole series, so you can get two of them at my table, two of them at Chris's, two of them at Adam's two of them at Christie's table. And then we're going to have another one in rotation every day just to make sure that, you know, everybody, everybody gets a chance to have a third one. Uh, but they're super cool. They're totally free. And uh, I-, I love them. I'm very proud of the little set that we put together. So definitely uh, come, come and grab them. Come say hi and come grab a free postcard for sure too. That's awesome. Cool. Well, I, that, that's it. That, that's it. That thus concludes our, our public service <laughs> announcement for all of this awesome star Wars art. I, and, uh, and, and we now return you to your regularly scheduled star Wars podcast. Yay. Thanks for humoring me guys. Hope to see you in London. Hello there and welcome back to Rebel Cells, the Star Wars animation podcast for the Bad Batch Season 2 episode, The Outpost. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Michael Cohen, and uh, joining me as always, we've got the altitudinous Kyle Avery. How's it going, everybody? Uh, And uh, the illustrious Joe Hogan. Hey, guys. How we doing? (laughs) Uh, You know, good. Good. We we got a we got a good episode of the Bad Batch. Uh, we got a good episode of the Mandalorian. I uh, uh, one exciting and fun and full of uh, some crazy stuff uh, that we ain't never seen before, and then another one that it was just uh, depressing uh, <laughs> crosshair uh, episode of like just yeah. We ended it. We one ends. In like a very oh my god, and then the other one ends in a very oh my god. <laughs> I'll let you guys, uh, I'll let you guys determine which one I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, I let's uh, let's open up, Joe. What did you think of this week's episode, The Outpost? Yeah, the the sad batch has returned, right? <laughs> yeah, um, awesome, 
Uh, it's it's. I don't know if I would say it's my favorite episode of the series, but it was definitely one I felt very invested in from yeah start to finish, and it was a. Uh, Man, they they just love giving you uh, villains to love to hate, right? <laughs> totally. Yeah, yeah. He got what was coming to him for sure. Thankfully. <laughs> yeah. How about you guys? What did you guys think, Kyle? What do you think? Yeah, I loved it. Um, I thought it was fantastic. I mean, it, it's been this great one-two punch where, um, you know, you get. Ex- I mean, at least for me, I'm I'm excited first and foremost for Mando on Wednesdays, and then. It's like, not that Bad Batch is an afterthought, but it's like, I watch Mando, I get excited for that. And I'm like, oh yeah, there's Bad Batch too. And then I watch that. And at least for the past couple weeks, like it's been some killer episodes of Bad Batch. So um, yeah, this one was, it was great, great character development for Crosshair. Um, we finally see him get through to his head what we've been, you know, hoping he would realize this entire time, which is that the Empire doesn't give a crap about clones. And I don't know how much more plainly they could have stated that for him than uh, that Imperial Lieutenant literally telling him, you guys are expendable and I don't care about you. And thankfully, he finally took that to heart and did something about it. So, um, yeah, it was it was dark. It was depressing. It was like it reminded me of the um, the Zeb and Callus episode from Rebels where they get stranded out in the snow. Mm. And then you see, um, you know, you see them kind of going from adversaries to building this kind of like begrudging mutual respect for each other. And then at the end of it, Callus sees Zeb get rescued by his friends and they're all happy together. And then the empire comes to pick him up and like, nobody seems to even notice that he was gone. And he realizes like, Hmm, maybe I'm on the wrong side here. Um, This felt like a, a very similar, like almost like a retread of that, but it was just different enough and even like more emotional and darker in a lot of places that, you know, it didn't just feel like a carbon copy, but um, very effectively hit some of those same emotional beats. Yeah, totally. I, I um, it's funny. There, there's a lot of, um, I think there's a lot of parallels to other Star Wars stories in, in this episode um, because obviously the, the snow stuff, gives me uh, flashbacks to Trespass, which if anybody's been listening for a long time, they'll know that Trespass is my favorite episode of Clone Wars. Uh, it has been since season one, and I don't, uh, that it'll never change. <laughs> like, it, it just is what it is. Like, I love Trespass so much, because that was, for me, watching Clone Wars, the episode where it really showed us that the show could be about more than just, like, fun adventures and stuff. Um because it's like like trespass i always say is like one of my favorite episodes of star trek uh, in the middle of clone wars like it's <laughs> such a good like like all of the the you know translating and and the politics and all of that sort of thing but that's a similar one where we've got this guy who's just mouthing off the whole time and when he gets that spear to the chest you're like yep you deserve that <laughs> and at the end of this episode i uh, i uh, lieutenant uh, is it nolan i can't remember yeah, no uh, yeah. Um, he, don't remember. He gets ex- don't really care. Yeah, it gets a, <laughs> gets exactly what he deserves, right? So, Lieutenant um, Goodridens. Yeah, and uh, I, yeah, I, 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 I. This was a fantastic episode, especially like coming off of Mando this week, which is like much more of a of an adventure sort of episode. 
Um, I, I don't want to say anything else because I don't want to spoil that. Go listen to Force Perspectives. Uh, we'll try not to do a two and a half hour episode this week, but I, uh, I don't know. I can't promise anything. I, <laughs> I, but I, yeah, I, I like that one was much more like like sort of edge of your seat, um, uh, high adventure fun stuff. I with some good jokes and quips and that sort of thing and then and then this one flipping around to this uh, I'm, i I do this the same thing as you Kyle, but i i did it at midnight which i uh, joe you you were watching at the same time as me i assume mm. i i watched mando finish that and immediately rolled into bad batch which wasn't really my plan i was like okay, i'm gonna watch mando and then i'm gonna go to bed and i watched mando and then i was like yeah i'm gonna watch bad batch too and looked and it's like, oh, it was a full 30 minutes this week. This is going to be a doozy. <laughs> and it starts and it's crosshair. And I'm like, ooh, 30 minutes of crosshair. All right. Okay, let's go. And uh, and then was immediately like, okay, so this is the beginning of his turn back. And obviously, that is ultimately what the episode's about. But then the ending is just such a gut punch of 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 him ending up uh, uh, in Tant- on Tantus. And God knows what they're about to do to him, right? Uh, so, yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, we're setting up that that the rest of the Bad Batch is going to have to come rescue him uh, at some point uh, towards the end of the season. I'm sure. I'm sure that that's a two part finale sort of situation, and uh, it'll be really interesting to find out what I uh, I uh, oh, what's the new guy's name? Hemlock what hemlock will have done to uh to to uh to crosshair i there are so many clone names in my head right now because i'm also like <laughs> i'm wondering like are we are we gonna finally see hauser again because i think we might i think i think we might end up uh finding out that that house whatever is about to happen to i i i'm expecting some planet of the apes type stuff you know, like uh, if if you guys are familiar with the original Planet of the Apes movie, there's a there's a great scene in that when it really really like takes a dark turn. He's in the the he's been captured and he's in the 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 they've been like holding him or whatever in like these observation cages, and then they put uh, 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 Charlton Heston's character into the like into like the 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 yard with the rest of the of the humans and he sees one of his friends right and he runs over like one of his one of his crewmates and he runs over to talk to him and he turns him and when he turns him his like his hair's been all shaved on one side he's just got this big crescent scar because they've like lobotomized him like they've Mm -hmm. they've they've cut open his head and uh i messed with his brain uh specifically to stop him from speaking because uh the scientists are also the religion in that movie so it's kind of uh, you know it's a it's it, it's a little ahead of its time i i <laughs> that's kind of where we're at now with a lot of american politics but that's fine um and uh, but it's just like this great moment of like oh no that's what they're gonna do to me right and i think that w- I wouldn't be surprised if we see Hauser like from across the room sort of thing. And it's like, and and like you guys know, like Hauser's got that look. He's got that, like that, that awesome haircut, uh, <laughs> su- such a, such a handsome fellow. And uh, it'll be like, Oh, there's Hauser. And uh, I, I mean, like obviously uh, Crosshair doesn't really know Hauser. Right. But, um, 
but like but we as the audience know hauser and we'll see him and uh and then there'll be a moment where like he turns and we see that like hemlock has been messing with him right like uh messing with his inhibitor chip or who knows right like i can see them like directly referencing planet of the apes in that moment so we'll see we'll see if we end up getting that moment but that's i think that's what we're gonna get i i but uh yeah like like i guess we've just we just straight up talked about the very end of the episode first but for me like that was it was so good it was such a great story but then just that ending was just such a gut punch of like, oh my god, like like Crosshair's finally about to to make that transition back to the light, come back to to bad to the bad batch, and and now he's in the worst possible place he can be, right? Like he's on Tantus, surrounded by commandos and TK uh, stormtroopers. And, uh, you know, like, like, like in like one of the most, uh, uh, heavily guarded, uh, fortresses that the empire has to offer. Um, and, and, and the bad batch don't even know that he's there. Like they don't even know that he's in danger yet. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'll bet you anything next week we get like, uh, like either at the beginning of the episode or the end of the episode, it's going to be like Rex going like, uh, or echo coming back to them and saying like oh we've got this intel and uh, uh we've got we, we got to go rescue crosshair something like that but uh yeah yeah well i i so for you guys what what were your favorite parts of the episode joe joe what, what did you like the best dude i have a million things going through my mind based off of what you just said so oh yeah okay if i just kind of piggyback yeah, yeah. That a little bit yeah um i feel like i mean obviously this is all speculation but i feel like Based on the fact that Scorch, not Scorch, Gregor escaped from Mount Tantus, it's clear that they're holding other clones there. So I agree that, like, okay, Hauser is probably there. The other thought I had was, okay, maybe all of those uh, clones who were complaining about forced retirement are also being sent there. Mm. Um, because now, now they're no longer useful. How can they still be useful to the Empire without just letting them go? Oh, we'll send them to Tantus to do whatever weird experiments they're doing. So that begs the question, okay, what exactly are these experiments? And I'm thinking, and I'm thinking, and I, like, a few weeks ago, I think, I guess last week, maybe, when uh, we were talking about the Zillow Beast and cloning, and I was thinking, okay, there's kind of cloning going on in Mandalorian, and they wanted Grogu, and, you know, I wasn't really sure what was going on, and I was thinking, okay, maybe there's something attached to because uh, you know Gideon is after Grogu but he's also a big part of the Dark Trooper project and I keep thinking mm. of a line that somebody said last season of Mandalorian is uh, the answer was to get rid of the like the living human aspect mm. of it and make it all robotic are these guys being experimented on to remove their personality oh. chips altogether to be the early Dark Troopers that eventually will get scrapped dude if that's where we're going with this, that'll be pretty, 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 pretty cool. <laughs> pretty dark, pun intended. Yeah, yeah. No, that's awesome. That's a that's a great that's a great theory. Um, 
We've got so we got we got Pabu and Tipping Point are the next two episodes, and then the two parter, the summit, and Plan Ninety Nine. Now, like I think, I think that we all know at this point, the summit is referring to Mount Tantis, right? Yeah. And Plan Ninety Nine has to be at this point. Now we got to rescue Crosshair. Yeah. Right. Mm. Um. That that feels so obvious at this point, but. Yeah, I love that. I love that concept, and 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 they might. I don't know. Maybe they'll be too late. I hope not. I hope. I hope. I hope. As much as I, as much as Crosshair drives me a little bit bananas, <laughs> I, 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 the the effect on the rest of the Bad Batch would be less than ideal if they had to fight a RoboCop, I, I version of, <laughs> of Crosshair. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, and see, yeah. I feel like they already kind of had to do that to an extent in season one, not a RoboCop version, but like when he first yeah. turns against them and joins the Empire, they do that experiment on him where they like amp up his um, his inhibitor chip. And so you kind of feel like he's brainwashed at first and, you know, just kind of this like machine going after them. And then you realize like, oh, no, he got his chip taken out at some point, presumably like when he got injured um, on Braca that one time. And he's like, yeah, my chip's gone and I'm still just loyal to the Empire. Um, But uh, yeah, I don't, I mean, I feel like it would rob us so much of like, you know, him finally having this emotional moment in this episode of like finally turning against the Empire and realizing that um, this is not the way, so to speak, um, that for them to then just brainwash him and have to, you know, have, have to watch him fight the Bad Batch again would just be, oh, it would be heartbreaking. But, like, at this point, I feel like you have to at least give us some kind of um, reunion with them. Like, and even if it's, I don't know if, if it'll all be, you know, happy ending at the end. I wouldn't necessarily be surprised if Crosshair ends up maybe sacrificing himself for the rest of the squad or something. Because you figure, like, he kind of has to atone for the things he's done somehow. I know he was you know, being used as a tool of the empire, but like we saw him, you know, murder innocent civilians and stuff last season. Um, But I feel like you have to at least give us one, you know, triumphant moment of like the squad back in action together. Um, At least that's what I'm hoping for. And I'm thinking the way that it's going to go down is like, you know, if he's in Mount Tantis with, you know, we know that there's a ton of other stuff going on there with like the Zillow beasts and the clone commandos and, you know, all these other experiments that they're doing. And don't forget there was that one, um, in the the clone conspiracy and truth and consequences episode, there's like that brainwashed clone assassin guy that they have to deal mm. with, and we never really figure oh, out what his deal is. So right. I think yeah. maybe that's what's going to happen to Hauser, and maybe that's what they're going to try to do to Crosshair. But um, I mean, especially because we know that Echo and Rex are out there, you know, and they've got plans in motion. I think it's going to be bigger than just trying to go rescue Crosshair. I think. Yeah, there'll be I think there'll be some bigger reason for them going there. I think they're going to team up with Echo and Rex again and maybe some other clones. And maybe they're going to find out that the Empire is holding, you know, multiple clones there and doing experiments. Or maybe they've got some kind of weapon they're developing. Like there's going to be some bigger picture reason for them to go in there and and try to go on a mission to stop whatever the Empire is doing. And then I think while they're in there, they're going to find out, oh, shoot, Crosshair is in here. Um and that's going to become, you know, one of the mission objectives is to rescue Crosshair. And then I think we'll get a moment of the squad finally back in action together, like fighting their way out. And then we'll see how many of them actually make it out. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've been thinking about point, this a yeah. lot today. <laughs> yeah, obviously, I, I, I like that you've connected those dots because obviously 
the the that sniper trooper is connected to mm-hmm. to yeah. hemlock in some way right that's that whole thing of like the of like he doesn't have a number or whatever like that that whole aspect of it it's like okay yeah yeah. I mean, he yeah. was working for was... Rampart at first, but like, right. that, can't, yeah. that can't just be a one-off thing, you know? Yeah, but but like working for Rampart, but but um, obviously like like Hemlock is the is the brains behind, you know, like like he's this this is a this is a tool that Rampart has been given. Rampart to yeah. me, like Rampart was never like a, 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 I don't know, like he clearly wasn't thinking of new ways to use the clones he was just his whole thing was just to replace them with the with the stormtroopers right like that was that was his whole big political plan um so yeah like like that those an enhanced trooper has to come from somewhere right and so i I think hemlock is is that is that source um and then rampart was just utilizing that tool right but yeah that's interesting man i the second half of this season has really just like cranked it up (laughs) it's it's kind of crazy because like i feel like it's almost the opposite of what last season was where i think that like the beginning of the season was very like because because we were you know sort of jumping from planet to planet trying to figure out how the bad batch are going to survive right and then they get to a point where it's like, okay, now they're just kind of doing missions for, for Sid. And then this season we start in that place of like, okay, they're kind of just doing missions for Sid. But then midway through the season, it turns and it's like all of a sudden like, oh no, there's some stuff going on. Like there's, there are things that they are involved in for sure um, across, across the galaxy that they don't, maybe they don't realize just yet, but um but the sort of one-off episodes even as much as like each episode has been very self-contained it's clear that everything is starting to build towards mm-hmm. something um they like that they you know we're creating some emotional connection between tech and omega and is that going to be something that happens you know like that 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 comes into play towards the end of the season or whatever i right? like 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 those dynamics and all the stuff with Sid is obviously building towards something there. Uh, it, it's really interesting how it's sort of just like, like they're just, we're just kind of like stacking Django blocks to get to the end of the season when we're going to just pull <laughs> one out from the bottom and watch the whole thing come down. Um, mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, it's, we're now, we're getting, we're at the point now, I think where the, like at the beginning, it's like, oh, the Jenga tower is fine. This is boring, right? Like, this isn't that interesting. They're just going from place to place. It was a treasure hunt, whatever everybody's going to be fine except for that one droid. I, I, and then, but now we're getting to the point where like, Hey, you're starting to stack those kind of tall. Hey, <laughs> Hey, Hey, you're only putting one on each level. What are you doing? Right? Like it's starting to get like precarious and it's like, we're starting to like pull from the bottom, <laughs> you know? I, uh, it's like, Oh no, Oh no, this is, this is not going to go well. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to see the Jenga tower come down. Uh, uh, at the end of the season this year, but it's uh, it's been man, it's been so good. I uh, I uh, now I'll now I'll say, Joe, give me a give me a favorite moment. What what, <laughs> what what did you like from the episode? I really liked, weirdly enough. Uh, first of all, new commander, new clone commander. I'm yeah. always happy. I don't I don't care. I'm always gonna be happy. Uh, but like Mayday and Crosshair's little small talk 
was wonderful. Yeah. I loved the uh, the landmine scene in the tunnel when they were chasing after the uh, the uh, like the, looking for the, the uh, raiders. raiders. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. I just I really loved that moment. He, Mayday is really funny when he was talking about like, oh yeah, I'm confident. I'm just not stupid. And he just walked yeah. around the uh, the wall to make sure he wasn't going to get blown up when Crosshair <laughs> took his foot. I, I just I really liked the the two moments between them and the fact that. That that scene also was the setup for the payoff later, right? Because uh, Mayday was kind of making the comment about like, "Oh yeah, you carry your guy out of there," and Crosshair is just saying, "I I wouldn't, I get it, leave the dead weight behind." And Mayday's just like, uh, "All right, I really don't want to die around you." Um, hmm. And then obviously later on, you see Crosshair kind of have that change of heart, which we've been seeing little by little because he used to not get along with the regs at all. And then here we are with this clone, you know, these, these few remaining clones that are still in circulation are, uh, he's starting to relate to more and more and more when meanwhile, he started the series as, you know, one of the outcasts from these guys. So, you know, it's obviously the bigger picture for him is he's realizing that the empire doesn't need them. But it's he's he's finding his circle of friends smaller and smaller and realizing that, OK, maybe there's more to this guy and more to these regs than uh, than I thought originally. Um, yeah, I just really like that scene. I really like the humor in that scene. Yeah. 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 The, yeah. The dynamic. It, it is. I don't understand how seven seasons of the clone wars two seasons of bad batch d bradley baker is still managing to introduce the same guy again but he is like mayday is his own character yep like like somebody like they need to there's not an award category adequate to give d bradley baker for what he has contributed to this show like to the to the franchise of star wars i mean like because it's not even just that i mean like hey listen uh young jedi adventures is coming out in may Uh, starts on may the 4th um and uh, d bradley baker is voicing nubs a blue ewok jedi from the high republic like (laughs) like like the man the man does everything he's he's the he's both appa and momo in i i i avatar the last airbender right like like he's he he, I, I, he's he did he did those character voices like the creature voices for me in person back at uh, Celebration Five the first Aww. one that I attended uh, and it was just like we were just talking with him about stuff and and he was just kind of like we were just goofing off chatting and he's just like oh yeah and then you and then he just starts doing it he just started doing it and it was like oh my god this is the most talented human being I've ever been in the presence <laughs> of and like. I had like five minutes earlier been talking to James Arnold Taylor, who had gone through like Obi-Wan to Marty McFly to Doc Brown to like Jack Sparrow. Like he had done that in front of me. I'm like, that's incredible. And then D Bradley Baker is like, yeah, I can do that too, but I can also not be human. Uh, (laughs) And like, like the, the sounds that he makes are like, it's so ridiculous because it's one thing to like watch a show and you know, a little like flying lemur monkey is making noises in the, in a cartoon show. And you're like, yeah, okay, whatever. That's a flying lemur monkey. It's another thing to stand next to a man, like a human being uh, and look him in the eyes while he starts making these vocalizations. It's just like, (laughs) 
what wait what what are you what how are you doing that like why do how do your vocal cords do that which is like a it's like a nice circus trick right but then also this guy is so good he is so in control of his instrument that with not just like his his voice but also his acting ability he is able to just like create a new clone trooper for us and we've and we have hundreds now right like it's ridiculous i mean like like joe like you've you've done posters <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> to be like look at all these clone troopers they all have names they're all characters many of them have lines right like that like and have character moments and stuff and are connected to other characters and we care about them for their own unique personality and then here we are in 2023 almost like 15 years after the premiere of clone wars and he's still like here's a new one here's mayday and he's a completely individual i wouldn't say necessarily like unique because so many of them like share qualities right but but definitely like an individual clone trooper His that personality i'm like too is, yeah kind of it's not just the tone of voice it's the personality yeah. that came with mm-hmm. it too yeah yeah and 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 he's got such a great look the 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 beard with the long hair is just fantastic i mean like i think hauser's got competition now uh, for 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 sexiest clone, I I, I just Hauser has his own Sims for Hauser subreddit, man. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah, it's tough. It's tough. I mean, like it's 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 hard. It's hard. Hauser Hauser really took took the 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 community by storm. But I I don't know. For me, I just like that that beard that beard and long hair. It was really working for me. Um. Oh my god, it's the, the Obi-Wan scene connection. Yeah, I think maybe it is. Yeah, you're probably right. That scene after the avalanche when when um, when Crosshair digs him out. My God, Joel Aaron and his team are just like every time I think like that's incredible. I can't believe they did that. They turn around and they do something that like I didn't even know I needed to see, which like the the snow in his beard is just like they could have very easily done nothing. We would have been fine with it. That's what they would have done in early seasons of clone wars. They could have added some paint texture to it. Right. I think that's what they would have done in sort of like the mid to later seasons, of clone wars. But mm-hmm. then here on this episode of bad batch, it's like, no, there's like the snow is like attached to his beard and it looks legit. And they didn't need to do that. They really didn't need to do that to sell this scene. But I think that there was a moment of like, can we make it look like he's like got snow in his beard? Like he's got this big shaggy beard. Can we make it look like it's got like the snow tangled into it? Like as if he's been in an avalanche and it just like it for me, as much as it like I stop and I go, wow, that technical work is so impressive. And that I guess you could consider that takes me out of the story. It like, it's it it made me more invested in what was happening because it was just like it just felt as even though they're cartoons and they're so obviously cartoons it felt so um authentic right because i don't want to say real it didn't feel like like it it um like it was like physically real but it felt like it actually happened to them they actually got covered 
in an avalanche. Um, that and and like when when um, when Crosshair's hand comes through and he digs himself out, it's just like that. Just like those effects, like the particle stuff that's happening there. The 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 way that that when he moves through the snow and he's trying to get to Mayday, it was just like holy crap! Have they taken snow? to a whole other level. Cause at the beginning I'm like, Oh, another snow planet, whatever. Right. Like we've now seen this so many times, but then yeah, it, it was, they just, they just cranked it up. They were just like, let's do snow. We've seen, we've shown them snow so many times. Let's do snow better than we've ever done snow before. And, and they did, it, it was fantastic. Uh, so that's there. Now I've talked about one of my favorite parts because that was absolutely <laughs> that moment stood out for me. It was so good. The whole avalanche and everything. Uh, Kyle, what what about you? What 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 are you? What what did you kind of connect with on this one? I mean, pretty much word for word everything Joe said. Because um, I was going to talk about the the mine, you know, the trip mine scene between um, between Crosshair and Mayday, and uh, yeah, just their conversations and the way that it, you know, sort of reflected Crosshair's whole arc across the episode. And, you know, again, starting from that conversation where he's like, you know, leave your dead weight. Like, you know, what's the point? Because Crosshair is very detached and emotional mm. and logical, and that's just how he is. And Mayday going, you know, wow, remind me never to, um, you know, remind me not to die in front of you um, or something like that. And then seeing this bond that they develop over the course of the episode to the point where by the end, uh, you know, he gets buried in this avalanche, Crosshair digs him out, and Mayday says, leave me behind, like, essentially saying, I'm dead weight, leave me, and Crosshair's like, nope, I'm taking you with me, we're getting out of this yeah. together, we're the only two clones left. Um, it was just beautiful, because I, I loved this as sort of a culmination of everything we've seen Crosshair go through to this point, because I feel like every time we see him, and he continues to ignore the red flags of the Empire and what they're doing to the clones and continues to insist that I'm going to be useful and I'm going to prove myself and I'm going to get a seat at the table. And he also keeps doing these sadistic things like just murdering people in cold blood and yet having brief glimpses of moments where it looks like he might be reconsidering things or, you know, somebody's trying to talk some sense into him and like he's considering it or he's hearing the words, but then he keeps doing these things. And it's like, what's the resolution? Like, where is this going? And this whole episode was like the rubber band snapping back. Um, mm. And just like, because the the bond that he formed with uh, Mayday, I really feel like he like in the the heyday of the bad batch i don't know that he would have gone to those lengths for hunter or tech or wrecker even i mean they mm. were together as a squad but you know crosshair was always kind of off doing his own thing still very solitary and isolated and this was like we're seeing him push you know to his very extreme limits push to the brink where you've got this life or death you know survival situation in these you know extreme weather conditions and then that on top of the fact that you have these two last remaining clones out here um, given orders by an Imperial officer who has made it very plain, like, I don't care about you. I don't like you. Like, we're here for the mission. You're to do what you're told. Like, that's it. Um, and I think, you know, even sort of towards the beginning of the episode, I think he's already kind of starting to realize and hearing him say these things about clones being expendable and stuff. And so I think as you're seeing him in these scenes with, uh, with Mayday, he's realizing, oh, like, as much as I don't like 
getting close to people. And as much as I don't like the regs, you know, like you pointed out, Joe, like he, he's been especially prickly with, you know, the, the regular clones. And we saw that even in, in his first episodes in Clone Wars and, you know, he was picking fights with uh, like Jesse or whoever it was. Um, and just realize, you know, so I think through, through those moments with Mayday, he comes to realize like, oh no, me and this guy, we're on the same side. I like the, me and the Imperial officers, me and the higher ups, these guys that I was trying to impress, like, nah, it's me. Like I have way more in common with this guy and like we clones have to stick together. And he finally realizes that, you know, kind of everything that's coming toppling down on them. Um, so yeah, just, I mean, it was, it was all of that stuff put into this, this pressure cooker where Crosshair finally got it. And, you know, so again, to see him helping um, Mayday back at the end and not even like begrudgingly going back for him or like, oh, hey, you owe me one. But from, you know, in the course of one episode from for Crosshair to go from, uh, you know, I leave the dead weight behind to like, I'm going to protect this guy at all costs. Like, this is my brother and I'm going to get him back home safely. Um I mean, you can see it in his face, like as they're, you know, just struggling together to get back on that long trek through the snow and everything. It's like, this is not just a, oh, I've got a mission to complete. Like he cares about this guy. Um, and it's just, it, you know, it's more emotional development than we've seen from Crosshair in, you know, probably in the entire series. You know, we get more, more than we have up to this point, you know, in, in these, these 30 minutes. So, um, yeah, that was great. And I mean, Mayday, I thought was a great new clone too. I know there were some interviews going around recently where D. Bradley Baker said like he's one of his favorite new clones and you can definitely see why. Um, and he always does a great job performing these guys. But I thought Mayday so perfectly encapsulated like a sort of a grizzled clone veteran after the Clone Wars who's just like disgruntled and fed up with the Empire and yet still doing his job because he has nowhere else to go but is not like kind of struggling to find his place or figure out where he tried to, where he's, you know, trying to fit or like trying to impress his superiors. He's like, yeah, we're kind of stuck out here. It sucks. But like me and my clones, me and my boys, like that's all that matters. I don't care about those guys. The empire sucks. Like this is not, you know, things are not the way they used to be. Um, so it was really cool to, you know, again, see that perspective uh, matched up against, you know, Crosshair, who at least initially was still trying to, um, to, to make a place for himself. So yeah, just excellent dynamic between those two characters and, uh, you know, excellent arc for, for Crosshair across the whole episode. I know that was more than one favorite moment, but you know, <laughs> no, it's all good. that's all good. That's if there's, looking. if there's, it's hard to pick just one that encapsulated, you know, that yeah. dynamic between those two. Um, I love, I love that we're talking about Crosshair, like, turning you know uh, back to the light side and uh, and and you know coming coming back to to you know our heroes and all of that sort of thing um and and making such a such a huge um turn in this episode and the action that we're talking about is when he shot that guy <laughs> it's <laughs> when one. yeah it's when he murdered that one dude <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because that's where we're at with Crosshair, where it's like, no, 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 no. But it, there's this, this character development. This guy was bad and he deserved it. <laughs> and it's like, what about everybody else he's killed? Yeah, yeah. No, they were all like innocent and not and not bad guys. Um, and that's kind of the issue that we had previously, as you as you brought up, Kyle. 
of like, yeah, no, he's like killing the, uh, you know, not just the men, but the women and the children too. You know, <laughs> I, I, so yeah, yeah. There's a, I love that we're just we're so acclimated. It's like a hot tub, right? It's like it's like a little, it's a little spicy when you first get in, but you get used to it. And uh, with Crosshair, I think that's where we're at. Is like, no, no, he's just murdering bad people. Uh, this is character development for him Um, well i will say i was actually i was really nervous when that went down because obviously the you know the imperial lieutenant was a huge grade a douchebag and i'm glad he got what was coming to him um but also and you know again as as crosshair gets back with mayday and then the officer just lets mayday die out there and doesn't try to help him you really see that's the moment where crosshair is like okay like i'm fed up with this but in my mind i'm like dude like get on a shuttle like steal a ship and escape and maybe try to you know do a strafing run on that guy on your way out or something like that but when you see he's got his whole (laughs) squad of stormtroopers around him and then they all turn and leave but i'm like those guys are still not very far away and so when crosshair pulls his gun and shoots him i was i was like are they about to kill crosshair right now like is this his final act that he finally gets the sense knocked into him. He he finally, you know, rebels against the Empire, shoots this officer who was like Pong Krell 2.0, you know, basically just out here intentionally trying to get clone troopers killed. Um, but knowing full well that there's more troopers coming that could, you know, execute him for that. Um, so I was, I was really concerned in that moment and wondering how that whole thing was going to play out. Um, and then even when like... You know, he he kind of falls to the ground and looks like he's about to pass out and the guys are all surrounding him with guns pointed at him and it like fades to black. I was like, are they just going to end the episode right there and leave us wondering if Crosshair survives or not? Because, um, again, I was like, it, logistically, it would make sense that they would just kill him for that. But then I was like, oh, you can't do that and not give us a, a moment of him reuniting with the squad at least once. Um, but then, of course, we get him, you know, waking up in the facility afterwards and then you know, the, the whole other speculation that we just went on about what are they doing with him there and where do we go from there? But, um, yeah, it was, that was a pretty tense moment there at the end, because again, I I was glad that the, that the officer got what was coming to him, but I was very concerned for Crosshair's well-being at the same time. (laughs) And in that instance, almost didn't want him to kill the guy. Yeah. Um, I, well, I'll, I'll put this out there. Um, I, I think personally my read on it is that crosshair absolutely expected to die i i think that he watched mayday die and was like i guess i'm done for too i might as well kill this guy on my way out yeah and so when he wakes up at the end that that shock that he has is oh i'm still here (laughs) right like i think that he thought i think that along the lines of what you're saying of like did he just sign his own death certificate right um i think that crosshair actually fully intended for that to be the case he was like look out like i'm this is this is my read on crosshair as a character is that he's like i'm going out on my terms like like i'm not gonna succumb to the environment i'm gonna murder this dude and then these stormtroopers are gonna kill me and then like it'll have been worth it right um, like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna just die for nothing. Like Mayday, right? I like to me, like that's what was happening in that scene. Um, and so for him to wake up, it's like, oh no, no, this is a fate worse than death, right? Like he is waking up, I, I, 
a, like like in the same i think it's like like a innovator type situation right of like the they're going to do horrible things to him and he's going to be he's going to feel trapped at that point so um yeah like i like i think i think i the <laughs> I don't know. We might get more like sort of uh, uh, just end me sort of moments with this character in the future, depending on what happens with Hemlock. Right. But I don't uh, I, listen. I just I don't think it's going to be sunshine and puppies for Crosshair <laughs> moving forward. I yeah. think they very clearly implied that he is in for a lot of bad stuff before it gets better. Um, so I think I think his redemption I think his act like the act that he took in this episode was for me enough of a redemptive act of I uh, uh, just that act of defiance, that act of rebellion was. I don't know, like, it, here's the thing. This isn't this isn't real life. He didn't actually kill a bunch of people. It's a story, right? So I uh, from a story perspective, for me, it, like his his actions in this episode are as meaningful to me as an audience member as his transgressions have been. Um, so like, like, cause it, there's stuff that he's done that I think is justifiable and understandable. Like, like uh, the stuff directly towards the, the other bad batch members. I think like we can kind of understand where he's coming from the stuff with the, with, with Saw Gerrera's people was like, he crossed the line. Right. Um, and, and it's very hard to justify that. He was just quote, just following orders sort of thing. Right. That's harder to, to deal with. But I think that like this act of uh, this middle finger to the empire, uh, in, in what he thought I firmly believe were his final moments. Um, to me, it's like, that was, that was him sort of like, like saying like, no, you, you can't, you actually can't have my soul. Um, and, and then he wakes up in, uh, in, in this situation and it's like, Oh no, 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 no. They own you, dude. Like, like you've done, you've done stuff. So he's basically like waking up in hell, right? Like mm-hmm. that's, that's sort of where it is. So like symbolically he is, I uh, hell or purgatory. Right. I think that, I think that what they're about to do to his character will be, burn away those sins it's gonna it's gonna be more than enough penance for for the the pain that he's inflicted on on others um and so that'll be that'll be enough to redeem him i'm sure i'm sure that they'll have like one more sort of redemptive act one another act of heroism before before we consider him you know back on the on the 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 good side but um i'm really hoping that they don't like do that and then immediately kill him right like i like the the very fact that he did something and his and and then immediately we're told like yeah but he's not dead guys it's like okay so they're keeping him around um but i I think it would be much more interesting to see rather than like a single act that like like a vader type thing of like Mm -hmm. you know uh, now i throw the emperor down the thing and it kills me and that's how i come back to the light side i would rather see like a living atonement for for crosshair of like like a, a life of service now with the rest mm-hmm. of the bad batch doing good things in the galaxy. Right. That was um, literally what I wanted out of Ben solo. Like yep. no, well, exactly. Right. Living. I wanted wandering samurai yeah. Ben solo going yeah. around and just like 
similar to the Ronin episode of the duel in Star Wars Visions. Yeah, right, making it just right. Like, yep, yeah. going around and fighting bad guys and saving villages. That's I mean, like, I not not to get into a whole trust thing. Let's just like, I'm just gonna <laughs> keep right. it. I, I'm just no, no. I'm just gonna keep it to Ben Solo, right? What a beautiful, like, poetic way to end the sequel trilogy. Ben and Ray in the galaxy just like like doing what the Jedi were always intended to do, which is not having a man, I almost swore there because it because it it just <laughs> it, it it no no it just it, it, it chaps my height, right? But like not having not having a, a palace on Coruscant, you know, like the capital, like the seat of political power, so that they can hobnob with the big wigs and, and get all of the, you know, like, 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 like the Jedi were corrupt. That's the point of the, the prequel trilogy is that the Jedi had been corrupted. Their ability to use the force wasn't diminished because Palpatine was growing stronger. It's because they were themselves corrupting themselves more and more and more. And the second that they engaged in war, they lost, right? Like, because they, they weren't playing by their rules, they were playing by the, by Palpatine's rules, and it was done. It was over. So Vader killing all of the younglings, whatever, it doesn't matter. It was going to end that way no matter what, because they, they had transgressed in that way, right? So the, 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 the idea of Rey and Ben going out in the galaxy and just being like two wandering Jedi who would like make things right like just just go around fixing problems and helping people and maybe along the way they pick up a padawan and they train that person and that person goes off to spread good and to to be an avatar of the light side and that's how the jedi order is reestablished. is not by having a new temple on a new planet with new dogma and new rules which is what luke tried to do and obviously why it failed right but that like it's a completely new way it would have been like to go back to it being poetic the 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 sequel trilogy starts with the line from Laura Santeca this will begin to make things right like like that would it would have been so perfect it would have been so perfect except that uh, uh what's his face uh, uh oh my god I, uh, Chris Terrio uh Chris Terrible I uh, it didn't like had no intention of finishing the story for those characters all of a sudden that movie became we're ending the saga we're ending the skywalker saga and somehow that meant killing the skywalkers like like (laughs) i don't i don't understand how that translated because the guy's last name was solo anyways right but like it was like yeah no no we got to make sure that we end this movie with not a single living skywalker left because that will end the skywalker saga and then at the very end, she's like, but I'm a Skywalker now. And you're like, okay, you know, that's fine. That's fine. I guess, you know, like, I don't, I don't, I'm not against her calling herself Ray Skywalker. It's, it's, it's what it means in the context of the story that bothers me. Not that she would call herself. I, that was very obvious from the beginning of the force awakens as well. Is that like, she's just Ray just just and then you know like like no no last name right i was like okay she's gonna be ray skywalker by the end of this you guys but i i yeah i don't know weird 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 tross ends in such a weird way Uh, there are so many things that i can get past in that movie but ray kamehameha blasting uh uh, palpatine into oblivion (laughs) 
that's not how a Jedi solves their problems. Kyle, what have not- I done? And then, and then like her, and then Ben Solo dying. Destiny, Joe. Yeah, Ben Solo dying, and then and then her weird, uh, her weird uh, uncle, uh, not not like her weird sibling parents at the end. Right? It's like it doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense of like. And then she sees Leia and Luke, her her adopted parents, who are brother and sister. Nothing odd about that, you guys. Um, they did kiss twice. I one time with maybe a little bit of tongue. I don't know. It was uncool. I, I, Luke is pretty happy at the end of that kiss. You know, I, I, which is you know, like we try and forget about it, but then Tross is like, no, don't forget about it. There is something weird going on here. Uh, such an odd choice. Such an odd choice. Anyways. I uh, the bad batch. Yeah. So crosshair is an opportunity for them to f- not necessarily fix the Ben Solo thing, but it is an opportunity for a do over on that type of a redemption story. Um, and it's perfectly set up because it's, we're talking about an episodic story, right? And we are already used to the idea that the bad batch just, You know, like there's the guys of like, oh, we're trying to make some money. We're trying to make a living. But how does every story with these guys end up? Yeah, yeah, we're going to make oh, we're going to make so much money on this mission. And then they come back and Sid's like, so how much money did we make on this? And it's like, yeah, so we did. We did. We did definitely get the treasure. But then like there were like some starving children. So like we gave the treasure to them. But we've got this one. We've got this one other thing. So we're going to go on another adventure now. Is that cool with you? And then Sid is like, you guys suck. You guys are the worst mercenaries ever. Mm-hmm. Like, because they're not mercenaries. They're just, it's like, it's Robin Hood, right? Like, they're just going from place to place helping people. Uh, which is the same thing that Din Djarin and Grogu are doing, by the way. They just, like, they don't realize that that's what they've been doing this whole time. They're just, they're just going around making the galaxy a better place one episode at a time. I and yeah, yeah like but the difference is Din is doing it in exchange for little bits of information or things that he needs to get Grogu to the Jedi or to Mandalore or whatever. Well, no, but that's my point is that like they don't they don't realize that that's what they've been doing the whole time. Yeah, and every time yeah. we come back to Navarro on that show, it's like it's like see what you guys have done. Like you guys, the, you did this. Like you you made this happen. Everywhere Grogu goes, it gets better. Um, and it's like and Omega is very similar, right? Like like she's got that same sort of spirit as this that is like the primary reason why i need those two characters to occupy the same space because (laughs) like they are um i would say grogu omega and ezra like the those three characters all have and ray actually like like I'll, i'll throw ray into that as well like they all have this same um like core purpose, whether they're aware of it or not like that, but it is what drives them. Right. Like they, like they can't turn away from people in need. They have to, they have to help. They have to do the right thing. Um, Grogu is maybe even like the most overt out of all of them. Like the one who's got the best sense of that, because like all we just, we constantly see him like doing the right thing, even if it's dangerous or somebody tells him not to. Um, He's just a very pure little uh, frog boy and uh, is fantastic. 
I, but yeah, like, like I, I want like, let's come on guys. Omega is force sensitive. Let's make that happen. And then let's get Grogu, uh, Ezra, Omega, Ray, and uh, I'm going to throw Cal Kestis in there as well. Um, <laughs> old man Cal Kestis a million years after after uh, the Fallen Order and Jedi Survivor stuff. Uh, and uh, that's a, like to me, like that's your there's your new Jedi Order, you guys. But and the, and the Mandalorians also like hang out with the Jedi now. That's the world that we live in post Rise of Skywalker. That's the only way you can justify how how badly all of that goes down at the end of that movie is like. I uh, but the first order is defeated and the gap, but the galaxy now needs like protection. It needs, it needs uh, like these good Ronin wandering around protecting people. And it's like, yeah. And the Mandalorians can help the Jedi do that. Like, and so you just like, it's just like, you just pair them up. Every, every Jedi gets a Mando and that's <laughs> the galaxy. And the galaxy is like the best it's ever been. And we don't have to, t- we don't need a new, big threat let's just tell stories about like mandalorians and jedi getting along and making the galaxy a better place let's just have like a totally hopeful story without major conflict just like these little things just like oh we got there's a guy and he's a real jerk he's 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 you know doing bad stuff and so you know this jedi and this mandalorian are gonna go in there they're gonna fix it and sometimes the Mandalorian are Jedi and sometimes the Jedi are Mandalorian and that's okay too. It's all like, and you know, they've got a lightsaber and they have a cool helmet and, and a jetpack and the force and star Wars is the best it's ever been. Can you like, you guys agree with me on this, right? If, if, if that were to happen, that would just be the best version of star Wars in the future instead of for some reason, Luke Skywalker's great grandson is a real capital d douchebag like i i've never understood that choice of like uh, what series was that was it star wars legacy yeah legacy i think yeah i really tried to get into legacy and was like i'm gonna give it a try people say it gets good and it was just like cade skywalker from the from the outset he's like hey my name is cade i have these obnoxious tattoos and too many earrings and you're just like this guy's not redeemable (laughs) right like darth vader that guy's redeemable i'll even redeem palpatine i don't want to redeem cade skywalker this this guy he doesn't deserve it that's my opinion that's my opinion it's not canon anymore anyways doesn't matter (laughs) cool uh i was waited to see if uh if kyle had anything to follow yeah i hated that series uh i i never really got into it so I, I, yeah. I read, I think, the first like two or three trade paperbacks, and I just wasn't feeling it. The thing I really disliked the most was that the Sith. First of all, the Sith were back, which always annoys yeah. me when it's like, all right, this is silly that they're back after Return of the Jedi, but whatever, they're back. And the fact that they were led by the head Sith who used to be a Jedi from the prequel era, who was only in the comics, a Sharad Het, I think was his name. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was just, I couldn't, I couldn't get into any of that stuff. Who, Ashard Het was a, a a human Tuscan, right? Like he was, because he, he wasn't actually a Tuscan. I think that he was human. Right. But he was like, but he was part of the Tuscan. Like he he wasn't, he lived with He was like Boba Fett. 
yeah, Boba Fett before Boba Fett. Uh, yeah. uh, but a- after Boba Fett, but before Boba Fett became the new Boba Fett, Boba Boba Fett, uh, which mm. is, I think, like, that's how we should, like, distinguish, like, like uh, uh, Legends Boba and uh, and and the, the, the Disney era Boba, because the the song his little song goes with Boba Boba Fett (laughs) they just double Boba him and that's that tells you that he's now a better Boba uh where's that guy at catch up with him soon I hope uh Boba you mean I'm sure yeah well we know where he is I mean we know he's on on Tatooine we know he's in Mos Espa but I but yeah I just uh I don't know I just, I'm 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 ready to wrap this up and and start talking about Mandalorian. <laughs> <laughs> I I have two thoughts if that's okay, and and yeah, both yeah. of them are kind of jumping backwards in the conversation. If that's all right, go for it. Um, so the first thing is, I was thinking a little bit about um, you know, the clones being sent to Tantus, and I realized that the Gregor that we knew in the first episode, he was introduced of Clone Wars. And the Gregor that we met in Rebels is very, very different. Gregor, uh, Gregor in Rebels is like kind of not all there. And when we see him in Bad Batch, he's already a little bit not there. Were they already messing with his brain? And you're right. And it really is brain stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, because we do see like the beginnings of that. And maybe it's just kind of because of whatever experiments that went on. It's it, maybe it, he just kind of uh, descends into the... Uh, kind of kooky crazy character that we know from rebels who is very very different um so that's the first one so it's just like a little bit of of evidence to add on the pile possibly um in this little speculation on that and the other one was mike when you were gushing before about d bradley baker reminded me of a conversation that i had with our buddy carla claire over at the wampas lair who right now is playing through republic commando for the first time which i'm very Mm. excited about because he seems to really be enjoying it and he and I were talking about it because like, I kind of gave him like a few warnings, right? Like it's an old game, 2005. It ha- it It's aged pretty well because it came out in that time that like Halo was a first person shooter. It, it sort of kind of set the standard on console shooters on general control schemes. Obviously, it wasn't a pioneer, but after Halo came out, a lot of games said, oh, OK, yeah, this is a control scheme that works pretty well. And for the most part, kind of. Uh, dialed it into in in that same general control scheme. So it was just kind of like giving him all these warnings. And I said, you know, something that I think might be jarring and weird is that Delta Squad are all voiced by four different voice actors because Mm -hmm. Tamora Morrison is you, is is the main character from your first person point of view. And your squad mates are three separate voice actors. And the reason that they did that is not because, you know, they actually sound this way. But I think it was suggested that you as the player, when you hear these different voices, you're going to know who's talking. You're going to know that deep growly voice is the sniper Sev. You're going to know that straight edge guy. That's your right hand man fixer who does the hacking. The silly Michelangelo sounding guy, that's Scorch. He's the demolitions expert. So anytime someone's talking in your HUD, you know who it is. And when you hear Tamora Morrison, obviously it's that. And even the standard clones all have a different voice than anyone in the squad. And I was, you know, explaining that to him and he's like, oh, that's kind of cool that it's, it's the concept is kind of like this is how they hear each other. They're able to distinguish which clone is which, even though they're all clones. And it was such an early thing in 
clones having separate personalities because there really yeah. wasn't a ton of that before then, with the exception of like maybe Alpha in the comics and the Arc Troopers uh, in the in the miniseries a little bit. And then yeah. also they started introducing at that same time, you know, Commander Bly and, and Bakar and all those guys in the comics. So like there were little separate personality things, but nothing like that. And I was saying, like, yeah, you know, I don't know if D. Bradley, ba if it would have made sense for D. Bradley Pager, you know, you know, he wasn't doing the clones at the time. But like, I don't know if it would have made sense for them to have one guy do all of them. And then I realized, man, if I close my eyes and listen to the Bad Batch. I know who's talking, despite every yeah. single one of them being Dean mm -hmm. Bradley Baker. Yeah. I I forget while I'm watching the show that those <laughs> are those four, five, sometimes six or seven of them <laughs> in an episode are all the same dude. Mm -hmm. Right. And even like even going back to like rookies, right, which is in season sure. one of Clone yeah. Wars yeah. early in the season, like the sixth episode, I think. Um like even in that one, by the end of that episode, you know the difference between Heavy and Echo and Fives and like like those guys, they're individual characters. And it's just like over the years he's just gotten better and better and better and better at it to the point where like especially with the Bad Batch, he gets to he gets to crank it up a little bit more, um, because they are that much more distinct. But at the same time, then you bring Rex back in and you've got Rex and Echo who are both as much as like Rex is an arc trooper and Echo became an arc trooper. Right. But um, but they are essentially just like standard clones. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and yet, like if Rex talks, I know it's Rex. I know it's mm -hmm. Rex and I know Rex from Cody and I know Cody from Echo. And, and obviously we know Hunter and the rest of them, the rest of the Bad Batch from everybody else. But like. But that, like I said, even to bring in Mayday and and we didn't get to spend very much time with him, but his personality is so distinct that I, I think that you could start to like it with a little bit more time with him. You could start to pick him out of the lineup as well. Um, and Hauser was a standout character, obviously. We're still talking about him two years later. Like like it's just, it's it's astounding. It's it. I just don't know. There are so many amazingly talented voice actors out there, but I I often say that that actors, not even just actors, like like artists are are often, in my opinion, put on this earth to 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 do a specific thing, and everything else we get from them is gravy. My example is always Arnold Schwarzenegger, who like for me peaked so early in his career, and everything else is just having fun. Uh, because Conan the Barbarian is the reason why Arnold Schwarzenegger exists, right? <laughs> to play that character in those two movies. And I really hope that King Conan eventually happens. They keep saying that they're going to make it and then they don't, but whatever. Like, even if we just only ever get those two movies, but in particular, that first movie, he is so pitch perfect for that character. And every time they've tried to go back and do Conan stuff afterwards, it's like, you know what? It's just leave it. Just leave it. James Earl Jones as the bad guy and Conan, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger as Conan. It's like, that is, that is the role that Arnold Schwarzenegger was born to play. And it's very clear that, that all of these clone troopers, like D Bradley Baker is the guy to do this. Um, I just don't, I just don't know that there's another actor that would have done what he has been able to do. 
because uh, he's just he it's just amazing like it's just so incredible that's what i say like there's no award to give the guy because like how wh- how who do you how do you even compare that to anything else right it's like he's played hundreds of the same guy and they're all different characters <laughs> and he's done such a good job of it giving us moments of like like i mean like there are some of these clone troopers we've like shed tears over right Mm -hmm. like like it and we get 30 minutes with mayday not even in total right like we get like let's say generously we get 25 minutes with mayday right and holy crap like he's he's a fully fleshed out character um and just like fantastic like it's 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 crazy it's crazy yeah, he's incredible. He's I second all of that. Um, and who, I mean, are there other actors out there that could have done the same thing? I don't know. But especially, you know, with D having done it for like 15 years now, it's definitely hard to imagine anybody else in that role. Yeah. Yeah, I can't. I can't. Which that's a I, crazy thought that Clone Wars is going to be 15 years old this year. Oh, man. Yeah. It, 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 it's very easy for me to remember because I, that's how long I have been podcasting. Like wow. I'm, it's actually technically that's not true. Cause I had done a few podcasts with some friends before that, but none of those podcasts exist anymore and, uh, and, and didn't go the way that I wanted them to. So I, I, you know, I don't really count that stuff. Those were like misfires, but like from the beginning of doing front lines, right. It's it, in August, it'll have been 15 years. So, um, yeah, it's very exciting to, to be, to be at the, the, the precipice of that anniversary. I don't know. We'll have to figure out something to do, uh, in the summer to, uh, to celebrate that. And then obviously, uh, uh, in the fall, uh, to celebrate the 15 year anniversary of the show. Um, but we've kind of got, we kind we have, three dates right we've got it's august 8th is the anniversary of uh front lines that's when we published our first episode um and then we've got the movie which i think is like the week after that because i think i've published the episode before the movie came out um and then and then i don't know off the top of my head when the first episode of clone wars premiered i think it was sometime in september so i i don't know wait you said what was the date of the the first front lines episode again was the 8th Okay, I think the movie was the tenth because I remember yeah. they put that as an Easter egg in um, the Siege of Mandalore. It's like Anakin's personal code. <clears throat> His personal code is like eight one zero eight or something because it's like eight ten zero eight was the uh, the date yeah, of the yeah. okay. movie. Yeah, that's. I mean, that sounds about right. Like I think because I put out the episode as like a like a preview of like oh well like we're gonna like the movie comes out this week or whatever. And then the second episode is me reviewing the movie. And then the third episode is the force unleashed. <laughs> it's my, it's my review of the force unleashed, which is hilarious because like that really like places it in time of like, yeah, that's, that's where we were. The force unleashed and clone wars came out within a month of each other. Uh, yep. And I think wild. I still remember listening to that first episode of Frontlines because that was back in the day before trailers and clips and everything were just like all easily accessible on YouTube. Yeah. 
Um, and there used to be a lot of like Apple exclusive stuff on iTunes. And so I remember looking on iTunes for Clone Wars stuff to see if there were any new like Clone Wars trailers or anything that I hadn't seen yet and found this podcast instead. And I had never listened to a podcast before. And I was like, so starved for any Clone Wars content. I was like, you know what? I'll check this out. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that is the common thread that that was the key to our success in the, <laughs> in the early days is that there was nothing else. If you searched the words, clone wars on itunes we were the first thing that popped up because there was no soundtrack there was no tv episodes there was no movie like like none of that stuff was there yet because this is we're talking about 2008 like uh i don't i don't know that you could watch a movie on your iphone yet (laughs) like i don't i don't think that that was like a thing that they that was really like easy to do at the time, uh, it's, I think it's you could because you could but... you could buy them on there. Could you buy them at that point? Yeah, the digital copies or whatever. That's yeah. so early. It's in like so much in its infancy, though, and it's like it, like why would you want to, right? Because it would have been like standard def probably, and it, yeah, like, it was. just awful. Just I remember awful. being a big deal uh, when they added HD for the first time. Yeah. Um. Anyways, uh, we uh, listen when we get to August we will talk about all of this. We will talk about all of this. Cause I think what I'll probably end up doing is we'll get Kyle, we'll get you, Tim and Jason on the podcast to talk about. Cause you guys have all been there since day one, right? Like yeah. you guys all listened from the first episode. I, I, and now it's like you've, you and Tim have the saga continues and, and uh, Jason has Wampa's layer with Carl. And it's like, yeah, uh, I feel responsible. So uh, I apologize, everybody. Uh, but uh, <laughs> anyways, I will get into we'll do, We'll do all that look back uh, in August uh, later this year. But I think that's it. I think we did it. I think I think we talked about the outpost, um, a fantastic episode. Uh, uh, and uh, yeah, uh, I'm really hoping, like the rest of this year. We got two, four episodes left in total but three nights left um and just as this ends like we're going to be going into like i think it like amanda will probably be getting amped up so uh it's good and that'll all basically lead into celebration and then uh and then may the 4th uh at, at which point we'll get young jedi adventures which i don't know if we're getting all at once or week by week i think it, i think young jedi adventures is releasing all at once um, well, and uh, season two of Visions also comes out. Maybe and before. season two of Visions, yeah. Uh, so there's going to be a lot to talk about. There's going to be a we've we've got Star Wars animation to talk about for for the next little bit, and then uh, and then you know uh, Mando, obviously. So make sure that you're also listening to Force Perspectives uh, for Joe and I to talk about Mando. Um, yeah, man. And I'm sure once we hit celebration, they'll let us know about everything else that's coming. And we'll have more dates of like when we're getting skeleton crew and Ahsoka and, uh, and, and everything else. But, uh, but yeah, I like, we are in the thick of it, guys. It's crazy. It's ridiculous. (laughs) I think back to 2008 when there was nothing and then we got clone wars and that was a big deal. And uh, yeah, now look at where we're at, where it's like, there's too much star Wars. Yeah. yeah, we're getting characters from Clone Wars in live action in three different series every year. Yeah, exactly. So it's crazy. I remember when Saw uh, Gerrera showing up in Rogue One was like, oh my God, an animated character. Yeah. 
Like he yeah. doesn't even look like him, but I still love the fact that it's a Clone Wars <laughs> character. Yeah. Um yeah, no, now we're now now we get, you know, Tamura Morrison playing a clone trooper on Dayu, like asking for change. And we and we just go, cool, that was neat. Uh and we move on as if that's not like the biggest deal. Like in two thousand eight, you're like, first of all, they're doing an Obi Wan Kenobi series. Second of all, uh Tamura Morrison's gonna show up in one scene for like all of twenty seconds. I uh, is, and it's it's it is not important to the story. It is important to the world building of Star Wars, and that's the only reason it's there. Uh, and yeah, man, crazy. I uh, awesome. I'm a happy Star Wars fan. I hope that you guys are happy Star Wars fans too. Uh, I'm it, absolutely it, a happy Star Wars fan yeah, right now. I think I think I think we're we're in a good spot right now, despite what idiots on the internet want you to think. <laughs> dumb, dumb. They are they're like this this horse. Can I take a look at its mouth? Uh, and uh, <laughs> dumb, dumb, in my opinion. Uh, awesome. Well, thank you, uh, Joe. Thank you, Kyle. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll be back next week for the episode Pabu. Looks like Bad Batch is blasting off again. Follow Rebel Cells on Twitter and Instagram at Rebel Cells and on Facebook at Rebel Cells Podcast. You can support the podcast in three ways. First, by going to the podcast service of your choice, leaving a rating and review to help others find the show. Second, by heading to store.thunderquack.com to pick up some merch. And last but not least, by heading to patreon.com thunderquack and kicking in with your monthly pledge of support to get cool rewards like exclusive podcasts and more.